0: Turn to Proverbs chapter 30, book of Proverbs chapter 30. I'm just reading three verses only verse 29, 30, and 31. There are three things which are majestic in peace. Yes, four which are stately in walk, a lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any, a greyhound, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. The writer uh, to this particular uh, chapter in Proverbs was obviously a very observant man and Watching animals and various things around him, uh, he imagined and could think in his mind uh, illustrations that he wanted to use. Jesus was the same. Jesus often spoke in parables, didn't he? And he spoke about fish and all kinds of things. I've titled this unusual message tonight, four things that God wants us to possess. Four things that God wants us to possess. The strength of a lion, the stamina of a greyhound, the stature of a male goat, and the stability of a king. The strength of a lion, a lion which is mighty. Uh, The New King James says mighty, but The authorized version says, strongest. The lion which is strongest among beasts and does not turn away from any. Now, obviously, I'm spiritualizing this tonight. And so I'm talking here about spiritual strength, inner strength. In other words, God wants us to be on the inside what the lion is on the outside As a lion is physically strong, God wants us to be spiritually strong. Proverbs 28 and 1 says, The wicked flees when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. The writer says, A lion which is strongest of all the beasts and does not turn away from any. Fearless. Jesus says, in Revelation 5 and 5, is betrayed as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, it's hard for us sometimes to uh, picture Christ as a lion. We have been growing up and brought up to believe from our Sunday school days, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And often we would think of him, and the Bible declares him very many times, to be the Lamb of God. Lamb of God, which was slain before the foundation of the world. And yet he is betrayed in Revelation 5 as a lion and as a lamb at the same time. If I could just read that little portion for you. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "'Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals?' and no one on heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. And so Christ often betrayed as a lamb, and yet also betrayed as a lion. Lion is something that is powerful, something that is mighty. The Holy Spirit, again, often portrayed in gentle terms. We remember that when Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, that the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. What could be more gentler than a dove? Sometimes he's referred to symbolically as oil, and oil is something that's soft. But yet on the day of Pentecost, he comes as a mighty rushing wind. And he comes as tongues of fire. And he comes in a powerful way. And so we have these two things. And God wants us to possess these qualities of gentleness and of power, of tenderness and of strength, of meekness and of might. Jesus said that we should be as gentle as doves Uh, but we should be as wise as serpents. And so there's this two sides. Jesus was a lamb that was sacrificed on Calvary's cross, but he's going to come back as a lion. He's going to come back in power and back in might. A lion that does not turn away from any. A lion faces. A lion is bold. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2. This is the Peter, remember, who was so afraid and so cowardly That he even denied that he had ever known the Lord Jesus Christ, even swore an oath that he had never known the man. Here's a man who ran. Here's a man who wanted to go back to fishing. And yet, in that upper room with the 120, when the Holy Spirit descended as a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire, suddenly his life is transformed. And he's no longer afraid, and he's no longer cowardly. And he no longer wants to go and hide somewhere. He gets this new boldness. And by the way, if we have the Holy Spirit, it's to give us boldness to witness for Christ. And so he stands up on the day of Pentecost, and he preaches a wonderful, wonderful sermon. It's just peppered with scriptures. But in the midst of it, he says, Men of Israel, verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put him to death. Here's a man who's fearless. Here's a man who's as bold as a lion and he's speaking to this crowd, and he's telling them what they have done to the Lord Jesus. He's not hiding anymore. He's not cowardly or afraid. He's very, very bold. Him you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And anyway, down in verse 36, Further on in this message he's preaching. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as the Lord your God shall call. And then in chapter four, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter and John at the beautiful gate uh, healed the lame man, caused such a ruckus and they were brought up before the, uh, before the priests and the Sadducees. And it says in verse 1, Now as, the people spoke, as, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they had taught the people and preached in Jesus in the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was evening already. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel... If we have this day, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that by him this man stands here before you whole, this is the stone which is rejected by the builders, which has become the chief corner stone. And then, of course, when you read on down there, uh, verse 17, it says, verse, no, verse 16, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them, and from now on they speak to no one and no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them, because all the people, since they all glorified God for what he had been done." for what they had been done. For the man was over 40 years old whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And so you see a tremendous boldness. In chapter 6, Stephen, who became the first martyr of the church, in verse 8 of chapter 6, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people, And there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. But they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And then they secretly and just meant to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat on the council looked steadfastly at him, and they saw his face as the face of an angel. And then if you read on, you'll find that Stephen preached a wonderful, wonderful sermon to these people. And, you know, he started with Abraham, and he went on to Moses, and he went on to Joseph, and he went on to David, and he went on to Solomon. I mean, he just gave them just a the whole lot, never missed a beat. And then he says in verse 51, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold of the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Well, that's bold, isn't it? And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, who would later become, of course, the Apostle Paul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There's a powerful boldness has come into these disciples when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they became bold as lions. Apostle Paul, and just one more in Acts 24. When he's brought before Felix the governor. But verse 22 of Acts 24, but when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, or these Christians, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide or or for to visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now when he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come Felix was afraid. Now the King James, the authorized version, makes that better, stronger. It says, Felix trembled. And when you look that word up, it literally means his knees were knocking. He was so moved, he was so afraid by what he heard about judgment to come. His very knees were knocking together. What boldness Paul had. He answered and says go away for now and when I have a convenient time I will call for you. The strength of a lion. Boldness. The stamina of a greyhound. The word greyhound here comes from a root word meaning slender waisted. And so the translators put in the word greyhound. Whether it was an actual greyhound as we know a greyhound, but it was an animal with a slender waist that was built for running. It was built to run and to run and to run. God not only wants us to have the strength of a lion, but the stamina of a greyhound. Having strength is one thing, having stamina is another thing. Having ability is one thing. Having durability is an entirely different thing. Apostle Paul says, I have run my race. I have finished my course. That's stamina, isn't it? He can look back after a long life of serving the Lord, and he says, I finally got to the end. The finish line is in sight. He was about to die for his faith. He says, I've run my race. I've finished my course. Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Some Christians are like shooting stars. They light up the sky for a little bit, and then they fizzle out. You never hear of them again. It's like the parable of the seeds that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4. We'll not read all that parable, but just this one part. Says, he said, Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And then later on, the disciples asked Jesus what this meant. And so he says down in verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. And afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Immediately they grow up and then immediately they fall down. No stability. Not established. Hebrews 6.15 And so after, this is speaking of Abraham, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For you have need of endurance. After that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, whenever I was at school, uh, I loved sports. And the only reason I loved sports was it got me out of doing the academic stuff. So any excuse was good enough. And although I am of average size, somehow or other, and I must have been half decent at it, I get into the school basketball team. And it was brilliant because you got away some days to, to Larne or to Belfast, and you played inter-school competitions. It was great. Sometimes we won, sometimes we lost, but we didn't care as long as we got out. That was the only thing that mattered. And so sports were good. The only sport that I did not like, that I absolutely hated and dread it, was cross-country running, because that was the toughest, for me anyway. And the reason why it was the toughest for me is because even though I had strength, I didn't have much stamina. And I found running up those lanes and over those fields and through those hedges and all the rest of it, particularly in winter time, when the ground was wet and your feet was wet and you were soaking and all the rest of it and you're cheesed off and browned off, I found that at the time there was me and a few others, we always come in last. The fact, some of the good runners was in, Shard, ready to go home, school bags in their back, driving out, and Muggsy here and some of the rest of we're still coming in because of no stamina. Had to stop a whole lot of times on the way and try to get my breath back. That's why I've never entered for a marathon. Believe it or not, I used to jog. Sally says to me, you don't look very good after you come back. In fact, a wee man stopped me up the Kilmore Road one day. Uh, he's a man from Moira, I knew him, and uh, I, was, I must have looked awful, and he, he actually stopped me, he says, are you all right, he says. <laughs> he says, you look like death warmed up. <laughs> I says, well, I'm supposed to be enjoying this is supposed to be good for me, it doesn't look to be good for you, so. he <laughs> After a while, I gave it up, as was a bad job. But even though I didn't have much physical stamina, I think by the grace of God, for some spiritual stamina. Clifford, you said along your are saved. In February this year, coming, be 41 years. 41 years of what will Lord? And 37 of those years have been a full-time ministry. And 34 of those years in here. So I think of a wee bit of stamina Spiritually, Warren Wearsby wrote a book years ago. I never did read it. Uh, someday I must buy it and read it because it had a wonderful title. It says, "In Praise of Plotters." <laughs> it's not a good title, "In Praise of Plotters," and that's what I am. I'm a plotter. I haven't given up. Is that the wind, David, at that door? I haven't given up. Jesus in John 17:4 says, "I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work." that you gave me to do. I have finished the work. Paul says, I've run the race. I've finished my course. There's something to be said for spiritual stamina, for just keeping on, keeping on. You know, it's like coming to the house of God. You say, well, I don't always feel like it. Do you think we always feel like it? Or do you think we're somehow different than you are that we're beyond human feelings it's not a case of feeling like it. it's a case it's the right thing to do so you do it whether you feel like a different thing if you're sick or in your holidays or you're working something like that but just getting up ah, I don't feel like it what's that about Huh? Eh? if you did that in your job every day you'd be out of a job very fast eh? if you did that in school every day you'd be out of school very fast you'd be getting a wee bit of stamina Eh? We better go through Spirit. You keep at it, and you keep going on with the grace of God. Jesus says, "I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I am straitened, how I am constrained, until it is accomplished." <laughs> he wouldn't let anything or anybody deter him for fulfilling the mission that he had on this earth. Strength of a lion, the stamina of a greyhound. The stature of a male goat. Now a male goat is distinctive, isn't it? Stands out from the herd. It's got big horns. It's got a borrowed chest. It's got a big beard, long beard. You and I is to be distinctive as believers. That doesn't mean to say you grow a long beard. You stick your chest out. (laughs) I am not even going to say anything about the horns. <laughs> but we are to be distinctive. God wants His people to be different. A people of stature. Now, I'm not talking about any false sense. I'm not talking about dress or appearance, but I'm talking about in witness, in testimony, in lifestyle, in attitude, in actions. We are to be different from the world around us. If we're not different from the world around us, what is the point? If Christ has changed us, if we say we're Christians and we're no different from anybody around us, what has changed? Nothing. Something has to change. I'm not talking about a false thing, but I'm talking about living our lives as a true Christian. It'll be distinctive. People will notice. Now, there may be some who will laugh at you, there'll be some who will slag you off, but there'll be others who will admire you because you're genuine and you're real. You're not fake and you're not a hypocrite. And that's what they look for, isn't it? The male goat gives leadership, doesn't it? Christians should give leadership. We should set the standard we should lift the standards, whether that's in the workplace, or in the home, on the job, or in business, or among our friends. Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his representatives. So what does people see in us? Are we Christ-like? Is that what they see? Well, that's what they're supposed to see. The stature of a male goat. Do we stand out? are we different? I don't mean that, are we naturally different? You know, if you're around people a little bit, they will begin to notice the difference. And they just may ask you, why are you different? How are you different? And then there is, not only the strength of the lion, the stamina of the greyhound, or the stature of a male goat, but the stability of, of a king. The new King James that I read out of tonight says a king whose troops are with him, but the authorized version says a king against whom there is no rising up. This king is established. This king is set. His house is in order. He's rooted. He's grounded. He's set for a long reign. There is no rising up against this king. The Bible says that you and I are kings and priests unto God, spiritually speaking. Romans 5.17 says, we reign in life by one Christ, Jesus. He is the king of kings. But we reign as kings in life by one Christ Jesus. Now the devil is going to come along and try to cause uprisings in your life. He's going to try to dethrone you. He's going to challenge your authority. And you do have authority in the kingdom of God. Kingdom comes from two words, king and dom. King ruler, dom from dominus or dominion. Ruling with dominion. And God has given us a authority in this life as believers in Christ. God gave Adam authority to run this world. He put this world in his hands to run. But Satan came along and he lost that authority. But the last Adam, Christ, came along and he took back that authority. And he gives that authority to us in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm. That's why Paul says, we reign in life by one Christ, Jesus. Have you stability? Do you reign in life? Or are we just at the mercy of the evil one? I don't think so. We could be if we allowed it, but I don't think so. I think that we're saved long enough to know that we do have authority according to the word of God, that we are believers in Christ. We are God's children. And because of that, he has given us power and authority. Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the evil one, and nothing shall by any means hurt you power and authority is ours in Christ. Amen. So, the strength of a lion, stamina of a greyhound, the stature of a male goat, and the stability of a king. Four things God wants you to possess. Let's pray.